that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola. Spending the afternoon with some really dear friends of mine, and first and foremost, getting to bring back on the mic from the other side of the glass our associate producer, the woman who makes all of this stuff happen, Miss Stephanie Longo from Scranton, PA. Stephanie? Hi, everybody. How you holding up over there? Good, good. Just enjoying the start of the spring weather out here and watching the snow melts, which is great. I think everybody is looking forward to the nice, beautiful spring that we're getting, hopefully. Having spent some winter days working with you in Scranton, I can say I'm sure you are very much looking forward to a thaw in what was one of the <laughs> coldest places I've ever spent uh, a good amount of time. And that was that is a cold town when it gets cold up there. Yeah, I still remember the greetings from Italian America episode from Scranton where Rosella and I were standing out in front of St. Lucie's and I could not feel my feet after three minutes. That was that cold outside. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Joe, who does our video and filming and uh, editing and stuff, Joe's hands were bleeding. He, he was so cold. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like him. I, was, I felt yeah. like you were filming in Antarctica. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, technically you were in a way. Yeah. Oof, man. <laughs> I spent the night in the ice hotel in the Arctic Circle in November, and that was not as cold as it was in Scranton in December or January, whenever we were there. It was That was brutal. Yeah, it was. But I mean, that's typical for out here. That's why whenever I talk to you and you're like, oh, yeah, we're having great weather out here. I'm like, it's snowing. No, <laughs> just no. always is. makes you hardier people and uh you're right spring is on its way and yeah. first of all more important than spring coming out how was your bionic uh, ankle healing you, i'm sure our loyal listeners want to know that you're on the mend i am on the mend and again thank you to everyone for their sweet messages i keep getting messages on a regular basis from everybody and just a great big thank you to all the listeners that really makes my day and yeah i'm in physical therapy and we're looking toward um, me being done with all that by june so i will have a functioning bionic ankle by then so this will be a wonderful thing and then wow. i can come out to new york and see you so that'll be great yeah yeah uh, we're looking forward to the summer coming man i can tell you june sounds very appealing right now yeah and uh i spring and obviously you know lent starts tomorrow and ash wednesday's here and so Everybody's kind of going to hunker down, and 40 days later, we're going to enjoy, hopefully, a beautiful Easter and the beginning of spring, and I am just could not be happier that uh, it's been a, a weird but kind of long winter, it seems, over here, so I'm glad it's coming to an end. And uh, before that occurs, on March 8th, is a holiday that, you know, I have not had the pleasure of really integrating into my life, per se, but now that I am a husband and a father of a beautiful little young Italiana, something that is drawing more of my attention, which is International Women's Day. And uh, our guests today are here to not only celebrate and share that with us, but celebrate an initiative that one of them has created in celebration of International Women's Day for the Italian-American community. And another one of our guests is going to be uh, headlining this year as a speaker and a performer. And so I'm very, very happy to welcome two people that I've known for a long time onto the show. Uh, first and foremost, she is a longtime friend of mine, a dear friend, somebody who's really like family. She's been on the show a bunch of times before, and you hear her and I duetting every time you turn on and off the Italian-American podcast because it is thanks to her that we have our opening theme song. She is my friend, an incredible performer, the one and only Miss Lena Prima. So, Lena, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Love you. Welcome back to the show, I should say. I love you, too. It's always good to see you uh, across the camera. You, too. Our other guest is the woman behind this wonderful initiative for International Women's Day, but she's also, in her own right, an incredible performer and really a very passionate and dedicated, not only performer, but uh, curator of our culture and protector of our culture. She has really made it her mission to bring the best of Italian-American song and the Italian-American songbook to a whole new generation in an exciting and very accessible way. I've worked with her before. I've seen her perform all over the place. Many of you have been able to listen to her music or see her performances. I'm sure you know her and love her, Miss Vanessa Rachi. So, Vanessa, welcome to the Italian-American Podcast. Ah, thanks so much, John. What a lovely intro. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, we're happy to have you on. And uh, to be able to spend time with the two of you together is very, very exciting to be the thorn amongst so many wonderful roses. These three ladies that I'm looking at today is amazing. So I think it's a good place to start to kind of invite you, Vanessa, to share with us what this initiative is and how it started. Sure. Um, so the name of the show is Festa della Donna in, um, in honor of International Women's Day. And I started it four years ago because I was a member uh, at the time of the Friars Club in New York City. And I had met so many Italian-American female performers while I was there, comedians, singers, dancers, et cetera. And um, it just dawned on me like, hey, I think this is a really nice opportunity to put us all together and do a variety show for International Women's Day because I noticed no one was doing that. And it would be nice to have just an all all lady show. And so, and so um, I approached someone I met there, Jenna Esposito, and I asked her if she would co-produce with me, and she did. And we did our first show in 2019 at the Lori Beekman Theater at the West Bank Cafe in New York City. And then after that, COVID hit. So we've been doing virtual performances since then. <laughs> but um, we've kept it going, which is great. And we hope to bring it back in person again next year. Well, Jen is another wonderful performer and uh Italian-American and friend and a friend of the show. She's been a guest on before, and I think our audience really enjoyed her take on the Italian-American songbook. So it's wonderful to see you guys working together. And, uh, you know, you both know how much I love a good Italian-American variety show because <laughs> you both performed in some of my uh, attempts at that when I was at NIAF. That was a big part of my fundraising approach was to put these things on down in D.C. And uh, yes, uh, Lena, I met you in New Orleans at St. Joseph's Day, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'll get yeah. to see you again, as we usually do down there. Yep. But you've always been really enthusiastic from the first time I met you about coming out and doing these kind of things for the community and you know, being part of these kind of initiatives. What was the first time you actually did an Italian-American event, and, and what drove you then and drives you now to keep lending yourself and your talents to these kind of initiatives? Uh, well, when I first uh, put a tribute to my father together, it was called Louis Prima, That's My Dad. And uh, and the among the first performances I was doing were Italian festivals. And I had never done those before. I always worked in other people's bands and we just did the casino circuit. So when I started doing these Italian festivals and seeing how many there were around the around the country and how passionate all these producers of these festivals were about you know, perpetuating our heritage and traditions. And I, I just really, you know, my dad all was so proud to be Italian and, and conveyed that to me as a child constantly. 
to be proud of being Italian and our name and how important our name, your name is. And so I just really felt so, I always felt cool being Italian though in school. And I was, when I was a little kid, I would start little clubs that were little Italian clubs with my friends. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> the other friends that were Italian and we'd make t-shirts with our name of our club. <laughs> Love that. And so, you know, just, it always kind of felt cool to me because of my dad to be Italian in the first place. Like, hey, I'm Italian and that is just cooler than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it is the kind of secret that we hold on to, though. I always felt yeah. the same way. I was like, we're just cooler than everybody else. Yeah, so that just, it, it started with performing at Italian festivals and just feeling part of this whole thing around the country of, of you know, celebrating our heritage. And then uh, when I uh, met you and, I, and you invited me to NIAF and I was just blown away by the scale of that and honoring you know Italians on such a on a large scale just I just felt so passionate and moved by it so you know that made me even more want to come back to New Orleans and do more things with the Italian community which I already was anyway but then I started to honor women and families and stuff after that so you inspired me well, you inspire me all the time. I, I did forget to mention your dad. That's how close you and I are that I, I <laughs> failed to mention that your father is an Italian-American, Sicilian-American, general American icon, Louis Prima, and he deserves uh, recognition always on our platform. And uh, the, I doubt there's a person in our audience who did not grow up listening to his stuff. And, uh, you know, you know how much I obsess over his performances and him and your mom and, and you now and uh yeah, I've always been impressed by your dedication to the community because I've worked with a lot of talents and solicited a lot of talents to come and do events, and you were the only one who ever said to me, like, you know, don't worry about what the pay looks like, and, you know, I, I want to come and help and volunteer your time and your effort, and I don't know, it just always led to such a natural friendship that way, and uh, something I admire very much about you. And Vanessa, it's great to see that you have taken on this kind of leadership role. What, what do you find in bringing together young Italian Americans around these kind of events, because, you know, it's a different generation. Now people obviously identify as Italian American. That's where our audience comes from. But do you find a lot of young talent feels good about gathering around doing Italian American stuff together? Yes, absolutely. I've always had interest in Infesta della Donna from singers to um, comedians um, to a medium. I have a dancers, uh, a chef. I had a chef last year. I think everyone's just eager to share their stories with each other because they're so unique, but everyone can relate to them at the same time. Um, I know, you know, you know, my story, I talk about it all the time where I grew up with my grandfather who lived in the basement apartment. And that's how I learned all the Italian American classics. That's where I was introduced to Louis Prima. He would play your dad at nauseum. And so I just have a special place in my heart for your family, even though we don't know each other that well. <laughs> and uh, and um, I think it's just those memories that give everyone so much joy and warmth and everyone's so eager to celebrate them together. Um, and then just from a female perspective, um, I just wanted to always be somebody who supports and lifts females up because, you know, I have been somebody who, especially as a performer, um, who has received lots of criticism or has been put down sometimes by other female leaders. And I never want to be that kind of person. And so I wanted to start something where females and Italian American females could feel 
you know, a true sisterhood in that we can all lift each other up. Can we talk a little about the idea of women maybe not supporting each other? What do you mean when you say someone who's been put down or, you know, um, had encounters that are less than supportive, I guess? Well, what does that look like? Sure, sure. Um, There are some types of females, I'll I'll say, that that are gossipy or jealous and they don't like to, I I feel like there's less of a... um, a brotherhood like there is with men where, you know, they take each other under their wing and they help each other succeed, groom each other, if you will. There's less of that sort of dynamic with females. And I want to create that dynamic. I think like in the younger generations, it's starting to happen more and more. Um, But when I used to work in corporate America, for example, there were a lot of female bosses that just did not want me to grow fast. (laughs) Mm. If I was too ambitious or too motivated, like I felt the thumb come down, uh, you know, proverbial thumb. There's actual statistics on that too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's very true. I hate to cut you off, Vanessa, but there's actual statistics about how women in leadership positions actually mistreat their fellow female in the workplace and don't help mm-hmm. them get ahead. And you can actually see statistics like for workplace mobbing or toxic workplaces, a lot of times it's the women trying to undermine women in the workplace. And it's a sad thing. I took a whole course on that once and my mind was blown because I was just naive about the whole thing thinking, yeah. oh, well, you know, we're all women, we're all in this together and we've got to help each other. And it was totally right. the opposite. So what you're saying is so refreshing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a real thing. And then also, you know, in the performance industry, you know, it's a very visual industry. Everyone's trying to look better, be better. It's competitive. It's, there's a lot of jealousy, but I don't want to be about that. Like, I feel like my only competition is myself. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. (laughs) Like, I just (laughs) want to get better. And we should all support each other because, you know, we all have something different to offer and we can all be successful. There's enough work there's enough space in this world where we can all be successful (laughs) so another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lena, you've been performing since you're like a teenager, right? Like yeah. You, you've been in band. Like that, that's been your whole life. Yes. Or your whole life. Yes. Have you encountered this in your professional life as a performer? And if so, have you seen it evolve or change? Absolutely. Um, I started when I was 19 um, and I was in the rock and roll scene, which was not so much like that until I tried to get somewhere with a band I was in. And there weren't many female fronted, you know, hard rock close to metal bands at that time. So when I when we went to L.A. and tried to become you know, tried to make it in LA, I guess you would say at that time, play those, all those clubs there, there was a definite, you're never going to get anywhere because you have a girl front. And I didn't ever consider myself. I just, I wasn't considering myself a girl. I was a rock singer. So I never (laughs) thought of it that way. So that's the first time I ever experienced that. 
and the band broke up and we never did anything. The guys caved and, you know, and then (laughs) I have experienced that. And I think really in more competitive areas, because since I moved to New Orleans, I have not experienced it at all because it's just different here. Uh, People are not competing against each other. Everybody's supportive of each other's talents and respectful of each other's talents here. But when you're in a place like Las Vegas or Hollywood or New York and people are competing, that does happen a lot. I I couldn't even get work in Vegas when I went out on my own because I don't look a certain way. You know, the girl singers there are just they're beautiful and you have to kind of look like that. And I was just different. I didn't fit into any specific thing. So I really had a tough time getting getting work there. So, yeah, I've experienced it many times. I feel like this is very interesting for me because being the only male on the panel here, I get to ask kind of what might otherwise seem really stupid questions, frankly, because, you know, sometimes it's hard to be empathetic to some experience that you've, you really can't relate to, um, at least based on, you know, your gender. And I wonder, does that factor in for women in all fields, this idea of like how you look in the workplace, you know, your what I know there's always commentary and kind of like, you know, what somebody wearing people don't say to man, like, Oh, what did you know, you got dressed this morning and you, you did X wrong. Or I feel like there's a lot of pressure on women um, even still today based around all of those aspects. When you go out, particularly in, you know, venues like performing, is that something that is still troublesome? Yeah, absolutely. I worry about aging every day. <laughs> oh my, wow. my cream. You should see the number of creams I put on my face like <laughs> the, the morning and night. And then I'm getting Botox now because, you know, it's, I how many like Sinatra male singers do you see who perform throughout their fifties and sixties and nobody blinks an eye. But then when women start to age, it's like, oh, she's getting kind of old. I don't know. Should she look <laughs> as good on stage, you know? So there, yeah. it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally don't feel that anymore. I did feel it before I moved to New Orleans, but it doesn't matter here at all what you look like or how old you are. It's oh, that's great. What are that's you? Awesome. What music are you playing? What are you? What are you creating? I feel total creative freedom and to, freedom to be myself, no matter what I look like here. So, I it's great, and I felt it from day one. So it's like one of those situations where you just felt like you belong somewhere, and it was the right place to be. So for me. I got out of that and went to where I could be myself and not have that worry. And it's so great for my health. (laughs) That is so refreshing because you hear so much about imposter syndrome where you feel that you have to put on a certain facade when you're Mm -hmm. facing people. And I would think in your industry, in the creative and performing arts, you probably deal with that on such a profound level where it's every time that you step out on stage, you're thinking to yourself, should I be here? And with the extra issues that we as women have to face, like Vanessa was saying about aging, I mean, I deal with that all the time. I Last night, and I'll say it because we're all friends here, I dyed my hair because I was like, I see a gray strand. So I had to cover that. I had to. It had to go back to, to the dark brown. And that's what we as women see. So yeah. I feel like what you just said actually ran so counter to that imposter syndrome and it was just so refreshing to hear for, from a woman in such a forward-facing field. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely going to keep dyeing my hair though. Yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> I love it. This is what I love about Lena. She's so honest and down to earth. You're the best. Yeah. There is a difference between self-love 
vanity and pressure to be something, right? Like you can be, yeah. you could, you could still want yourself to look your best from your own internal stuff. We all go through that, right? I mean, that's that is free of any limitations of uh, you know any gender or ethnicity, or whatever. Everybody wants to kind of put the best foot forward, and hair dye is easy, right? I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's low-hanging fruit, really, and uh, I could totally... I'm starting to get gray in my beard and salt and pepper on the sides, and I, it is different for men. I get that. It's like, uh, you know, a woman my age gets grays, and it, somebody says, oh, she's got gray, she's old, and a man, we get qualified as distinguished, right? And so the, I get it. It's different, but even for men, you, you want to... You still want to look in the mirror and feel like the young person you feel like inside, you know? You, you want to reflect yeah. that in the mirror. That's, that's not abnormal, but... Uh, well, hair so. color is like... I, for me, I don't know. I feel like that is self-love because I am so happy when I get my hair done. Yes. I just go, yes, I feel fabulous. You know, so I don't know. It's like a mental thing. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of also my really dark, thick hair is like a, a Italian badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't lose this. You know? Yeah, that's very true. That's very interesting. You're right about that. There's something ethnic about it. Like my grandfather's yeah. 87 years old, uh, Sicilian American, and he still has a full head of thick, mostly black hair. And like wow. people say, all the time say to him, like, oh, you know, you're still dying your hair. He's like, no, and this is really his hair. And it, I... I don't have that, unfortunately. I thought I did growing up, but you know, it's an interesting conversation about sort of beauty and the and the boundaries of it. But like, I know a lot of guys my age who have gone for hair plugs, and I say all the time, you know what? I watch these greetings from Italian American videos, and I can sort of see my scalp reflecting in certain spots, and I'm like, sign me up, I'll go get. It. Like, sometimes you just want to take care of yourself, you know. And I'm sure. not a yeah, no shame, no shame. Not big on needles, but yeah, there's no shame in, yeah. in wanting to. Yeah, it's like keeping your car up, really, right? I mean, yeah. that's yes, yeah. You could take a classic car a long way if you if you take it to the shop, if you yeah. take it to the shop enough, you know. So I totally get that. Yeah, that's. But it is interesting to see how in performance, men and women are treated differently because I was reading about um, some of these like mismatches when they cast movies, and the male actor will be like in his sixties, and the female being her twenties. You know, it's like yes. romantic uh, pairings, and you think to yourself, that is really kind of whacked out when you think about it, because it's increasingly hard for people to look past age and, and, and it has got to be, it has to be harder for women. I, I am, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm very encouraged to see, I don't know if you noticed this, Lena, in the movies lately, there's a lot of um, 50 plus female protagonists, yep. like the lost daughter. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I think the trend is starting to, to shift. It is. I think it, I think it is. It's also, you know, as we see, that shift across the board, really, right? I mean, and we're and we're dealing with an older population too. I mean, longevity being what it is now, and and you know, it's not a, it's not a, just a throwaway sentence to say like you know, eighty is the new sixty. You know, what I mean, people are living longer, doing more in that time, but at the same time, there's also the idea in in your industry, guys, in terms of performance of the tastes in in music, right? So. I mean, Lena, I've seen you do everything from like, uh, you know, 70s rock to modern stuff. I mean, so, but your bread and butter is a jazzier, kind of older style songbook. And Vanessa, you pride yourself on the continuity of this Italian-American songbook. How about acclimatizing that kind of music to a younger audience? Because forget what they see in in the body on stage and the person on stage. What about performing a type of music that 
is not necessarily the most contemporary stuff. Do you, what are the challenges there? Because I, I got to imagine there's challenges. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say that if it's good, if you build it, they will come. If it's, <laughs> if You're it's right. good music, right? Yes. Like I found that if people don't know, even if they don't know the composers or the history of the song, I've reinvented, you know, songs by Italian American jazz composers from the 20s and the 30s. And people will come up to me and say, wow, like Make Love to Me by Leon Ropolo. That was from like 1934. And I had people at San Gennaro dancing and being like, what is, what is that song? That's so hip because it was a hip arrangement. So it really doesn't matter how old it is as long as, you know, you're making a good, like a relevant arrangement of it and people like it, you know. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. And that was really what my dad did, you know. It's true. He did that and he evolved the these songs over the years with better arrangements and more hip arrangements. And he did that. And I, I'm actually shocked because, like, we do our, our first set, like, for example, at the Motley On, where we have, we really have a young audience. It's mixed, but it's a lot of young, really young people. And our first set, I do a lot of my dad's music. And the second set now, I have put in all these different, I've got some Beatles in there and Tom Jones and uh, Three Dog Night and then Hart and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix, and all mix of stuff mixed with New Orleans music. But these songs, I cannot believe these young people know these songs. They're singing all the words to everything, even the Tom Jones stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it just blows my mind that they all know this music. So I feel like young people are listening to older music. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And I I have to imagine like the, the availability of streaming and thing you know these apps like Shazam, right? Like Shazam is on my phone constantly because if you're listening to a commercial or watching TV or a movie whatever or you're in the car and it's on the radio or a playlist whatever you're listening to to be able to quickly identify what a song is and then I love to like go out and look for different versions or covers and kind of dive deep into these kind of things when I hear something interesting and it it's it is music is becoming I think much more accessible yeah. now. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as it it is difficult for the artists to earn off of sales like they used to. Um, yeah, it's much easier for people to find this stuff. Like Lena, you did that duet, um, and I'm going to forget the gentleman's name, so you're going to have to fill it in. But you you just did a duet that yeah, Frankie Marino. Yeah, and uh, it shot to number one right like within a couple hours. Yeah, tell the audience about that because I think that's a great example of a reinvigoration, a reinterpretation of an old standard that just uh, yeah. you know, with enough love can really be pushed. Absolutely. And well, plus Frankie Marino has just a huge fan base. He's just an amazing talent. Oh my God. <laughs> you have to see him sometime because he's unbelievable playing piano and singing and oh my God. So just, he is a huge fan of my dad and grew up, of course, because he's Italian American, his whole family grew up listening to my dad. So his favorite song was Five Months, Two Weeks, Two Days when he was a kid, and so was mine. So when he reached out to me and said, let's do something together, we both picked that song. <laughs> and then I said, hey, listen, that's kind of wide open. Write some, write about it. Like, what's the story there, the Five Months, Two Weeks, Two Days story? You know, so he wrote a couple of little verses, and we did a little duet, you know, kind of revamped it. And and uh, I loved how it came out, man. And he, oh, it's he awesome. produced it, and then, yeah. It we you know we didn't know it was going to go to number one. He's had all these number one singles. His fans just really rally around whatever he puts out. He's so great. 
So I was on stage and he texted me and said it's number one. I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I would never think in my lifetime I'd be on a number one single. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And and may I add a top ten Billboard album as well? Uh, yes, to your, yes. To, uh, in your uh, in your resume because that was <laughs> yes. a fun project that we got to do together that changed my life in a lot of ways actually. So ended up pushing me into this kind of field of uh, content creation and things like that. Wow, cool! I didn't know I didn't realize that, but yeah, yeah, super really proud gave me of different that. Appreciation. Yeah, we, we did that amazing project, and look what happened. Yeah. Prima La Familia, available yeah. on Everywhere Music is Sold. There's a plug for uh, CD. Yep. And, of course, it's got our theme song on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but but it's interesting to think about because, you know, I was listening to the radio, and I was listening to a radio commercial the other day uh, for the oldies station in New York. And, you know, I remember listening to the oldies with my parents and loving every minute of it, and it was music from the 50s and the 60s. And now oldies music is music that I listen to in high school and I'm like it really blew my mind to think about that yeah. you know that's what qualifies in the oldie station but I guess <laughs> the truth of the matter is you know it, that's the beauty of reinterpreting these things because we take music with us uh songs and and great memories that we attach to them we take them with us everywhere we go and they are a continuous playlist of our lives mm. I actually like it's a project that my brothers and I worked on for my parents that one of these years will finish for a Christmas gift is a uh Back then, we would have had to burn CDs, but, you know, a, a sort of mix of all the songs that we recall from our childhood and different times in our life as a family when they, you know, when we were living here or what memories and things like that. And I keep this playlist. And sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, I can, I call it my walk through life playlist and I can just put it on and I will be transported right back to, you know, my, my childhood living room or a trip that we took or, and that's the beauty of music and these songbooks. They, they do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Matter of fact, I uh, I think it's Jump, Jive, and Whale. I don't think I've ever told you this story, Lena. Uh, my grandfather's last Thanksgiving, and my grandfather was one who introduced me to your dad's music and all of the much of much of the Italian music that I listened to came from both my grandfathers. But my my paternal grandfather, big big Louis Prima fan, and uh, I was probably a teenager, and he was just enjoying the music. It was after Thanksgiving, and my younger cousin and I, we all started doing our best attempts at swing dancing because <laughs> back then it, it, it was in the Gap commercial back right. then, oh, not to yeah. date myself. Oh my God. You know, I so I, well, I, I remember thinking like, well, I could probably do that, which I can't <laughs> because I'm not coordinated. But we danced so much that I actually regurgitated my Thanksgiving dinner in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was my memory because we just kept dancing. But I, I, every, <laughs> it's not a bad memory either, you know, I just, but it's That's uh, hilarious. Yeah, it the soundtrack of growing up. You so, yeah, jump, drive, and then you hurl. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's hilarious! If we do another CD together, I'm just saying maybe a new new take on it. Jump, drive, and hurl. That would go. The good. thanks. It's Mardi Gras day here, so that would go great here right now. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, there is no there is no famous Thanksgiving song either, so I, you know we could always <laughs> we will rework that. It'd be like the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh my gosh, that's it. That's so funny. Yeah, we need that one. So, Lena, you're going to perform and you're going to be a guest speaker at the event. Vanessa, tell us a little bit about what to expect, how people can participate. Sure. I, I really want to encourage everybody to go out and be a part of this great initiative. So give us a, an introduction to it and, and kind of how people can participate. Yeah, thank you. Um, so as mentioned, it's in honor of International Women's Day, and it celebrates Italian-American female contributions to arts and culture. And so we have singers, we have a comedian, and we have a medium 
Um, so one of the comedians is Tara Canestracci, and she calls herself the Bronx Barbie. She's hilarious. She used to like be on CNY and do reporting for the Yankees, and she tours all over the country at various comedy clubs. Um, so she's going to be bringing her um, Italian-American Bronx slant of comedy <laughs> to everyone. And then um, Tessa Del Zoppo is a medium. And so she will help the willing um, connect with the other side. So whoever wants to do a live reading with her on Zoom will be able to. She'll be able to do, I think, two during the during the show. I have to tell you, I did a a reading with her um, on Facebook Live or Instagram Live, I believe it was. And she was the only medium I've ever been to who said something so specific that hit home. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So she's amazing. Um, she has a podcast with her husband. Uh, I think it's called Live from the Other Side. They're both like into the afterlife. So they're a very interesting couple. And um, Another comedian, Regina DeChico, who was the warm-up comedian for The View on ABC. And so um, she's also like a staple at Gotham Comedy Club, hilarious. And her family, fun fact, owns uh, DeChico's, which is an amazing um, Italian-American grocery chain in the Westchester, New York area. Wow. Um, and then myself, I'm singing, of course, as Italian-American songstress. And last but not least, Lena Prima is going to be our guest of honor. And I'm so happy for many reasons because um, she's an inspiration of mine, being somebody in the Italian-American jazz medium. Um, she, her family and her father was you know, adored by my grandfather and my family. And so you know, just listening to her music and, and her father's music just, warms my heart like it just brings me right back to yeah. sunday dinner with grandpa Absolutely. <laughs> and the family and that's what music does right we said it takes you right back sure um does. so we have all those wonderful performances all in one show and it's available virtually on metropolitan zoom um so people can get tickets on metropolitanzoom.com that's awesome yeah and how long is the show's runtime um it's around 75 minutes that's well let me tell you i'm sure it's 75 minutes very well spent and you know <laughs> Times have definitely been trying for everybody, and the idea of being able to participate virtually in something like this is a great uplift and a, a cheerful celebration of our culture, of great talent, and a chance to kind of escape for a little bit. And I'm certainly very excited that you guys are going to be able to put on one of these wonderful virtual shows and then gear up for 2023 and uh, hopefully the in-person return, God willing, of this great event and Hopefully our audience can participate this year and beyond because it's a really great initiative. And Absolutely. Speaking of in-person returns, Lena, you're back at the Mount Leon with a regular engagement. Now you want to just tell the audience in case, like myself, they're heading down to New Orleans anytime soon? Yeah, we came back in September. We're so thrilled. Uh, we're working every week there, Thursdays and Saturdays at the beautiful Hotel Mount Leon. It's on Royal Street in the French Quarter here in New Orleans. It's incredible and really fun. So come stay at the Montaleon and come see us. It's also an Italian-American-owned business since like 1840-something, yes. right? Yeah, I believe it's the oldest Italian-owned uh, hotel in New Orleans. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think in, in the, the country. Gotta be in the country. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there's many hotels yeah. left from it, that era. Exactly. I mean, it's same family. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. It's a, it's a special landmark. And if you watch our YouTube series, Greetings from Italian America, right before COVID started two years ago, we were down there for St. Joseph's Day, and uh, we, we conclude our episode on stage with Lena at the at the Mont Leon. As a matter of fact, 
it was like the day before everything shut down, I think. Yeah, it was. Actually, was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The day before so, that was it. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while since you and I have seen each other. I'm looking forward to coming out and I know. catching up and hopefully having dinner. And, yeah. And Vanessa's coming out too for uh, I can't the wait. Italian yeah. Heritage Festival, which we've both performed at uh, previously. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Vanessa in person too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see you. Yeah. Uh, Lean and I will be there, I think, on the, the 8th. Or the eighth and ninth, I think, will be performing in Kenner. You're not talking about March eighth and ninth. April. Oh, sorry, April. April eighth through tenth. And um, I'm so happy that I'm performing on Friday and Saturday. And my last performance is the afternoon on Saturday. So my night is open so I can come to the Monteleon to see you. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll be there and then we go to the Monteleon afterwards. Oh, amazing. I'll get two performances. <laughs> Long day. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. You're a trooper. I know that. That I know. Well, that's really awesome. Uh, I'm gonna have to make it to the Kenner Festival one of these one of these years because I've been hearing about it's it. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's lovely. You'd love yeah. it. You guys have so many festivals in Louisiana. There's so much Italian life there. Yeah, we're super excited. The return of uh, French Quarter Fest and Jazz, the Jazz and Heritage Festival. So I'm looking forward. I'm performing at both this year. Oh wow! Uh, and they have, you know, hasn't they've been shut down too? So this is gonna be great. Mardi Gras is in full swing. Today's Mardi Gras Day here in New Orleans. And all right. Yeah, so it's just been really wonderful to see all the people come back and everything to come back. Are you eating anything special to celebrate Fat Tuesday? No. Have you like, what's your indulgence? No, <laughs> no, no, because no. I don't want to be fat on <laughs> Fat Tuesday. Well, yeah. I desperately want to be fat on Fat Tuesday, and I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> I'm going to embarrass Stephanie a little bit as we conclude here because we were supposed to be in Scranton last week for meetings, yeah, and uh, they they got canceled. But Stephanie texted. Pat and I and said, hey, guys, you know, you're coming out Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday's Ash Wednesday. If you would like, I can move meetings around so we can go to mass together. And uh, shortly thereafter, the trip got canceled. So we never addressed the issue. And so I turned to my wife. I'm like, you believe Ash Wednesday's Wednesday? I'm like, I got to start indulging. You know, I got to get my junk food in. I ordered McDonald's. One day I ate McDonald's pizza, (laughs) like a whole box of chocolates and all this. And then all of a sudden, what's supposed to be Ash Wednesday comes and I go to my calendar and I'm like, wait a minute. Ash Wednesday's next week. So I ate like 8,000 calories oh my God. on Monday and Fat Tuesday a week early. Yeah. So, Steph. Oh you know. you can blame God. me for that one. But I'm of the opinion that now you get to celebrate again and just indulge again because I'm a total oh, That's what I'm doing right good. now. That's, what that's exactly doing. what I'm doing. And yeah, yeah. you know that I'm not the greatest with dates. I'm good with keeping your dates in order but it's on <laughs> yeah. our team. But when it comes to myself, it's like, wait a minute, somebody has to like take my hand and point me in the right direction. That was a prime example of that one right there. Rarely do you mess any kind of stuff up. So that was why if you say something, I'm like, oh, I take it to the bank. So there <laughs> I, I ate and my wife said to me, you know, you can just stop eating now and wait till next week. I'm like, no, no, no. Now I'm now I've opened up the floodgates. <laughs> so I had a week long Mardi Gras wow. leading up to Ash Wednesday. So, yeah, my cholesterol is probably through the roof, but 40 days of uh, Lent. You know, I did that when when we first moved here, and it was like I gained so much weight because I just <laughs> ate everything. Because it's ridiculous here; the food is so oh good. I heard treats and things, and oh my god! So now, like twelfth night, I have a piece of king cake, and that's it. And one piece, and I'm done. Don't show me any king cake. Yeah. <laughs> that is willpower, right there. Such good self control. Yes. I yeah. gained like five pounds the last time I went to New Orleans, yeah. and I fully intend to gain five more this next trip. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it's a great food yeah. town, and I always consider whenever I come down for St. Joseph's Day in the middle of Lent every year, 
uh, had explained to me one year when he joined me that somewhere in like ancient times, the Sicilians got an indulgence for St. Joseph's Day so they could eat what they wanted during Lent. So <laughs> I, I assume with my Sicilian blood that carries on. So I feel good about the fact that I can cheat and I eat my face off when I'm down there for the weekend. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard city not to. Yeah. So, There's uh, no rules here. No rules. <laughs> no, I love it. No, not at all. No. And it's <laughs> some of the best food you'll ever have. So I'm looking forward to being together down there. And uh, it sounds like we're all going to be passing through the great state of Louisiana in the very we're, short-term yeah. future. We're going to celebrate. I can't wait to hug you, all of you. Yeah, Aww. me too. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. And the virtual celebration is just around the corner, March 8th. It's not very far off from uh, when this broadcasts. So hopefully everybody goes out and participates in this wonderful day of Italian-American talent, Italian-American women, and uh, really just a, a great occasion to prop one another up and support each other. And Vanessa, that's uh, that's something that I think you're absolutely right, be it in the workplace or anywhere. We could all do better at that. So I commend you for your leadership there for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yay. And I also want to say I've been inspired by Lena because, you know, there are not that many friendly, you know, veteran per- per female performers out there. And she was so kind to me when we first met, like really nice, shared lots of information. She's like, I'll always tell you straight, you know, give you any information you want and give you advice. Like you're the best Lena. I love you. You know that. I love you so too. So thank you for continuing that spirit of supporting women. Absolutely. And then finally for the podcast listeners, um, discount. So if you enter the code Festa Della, F-E-S-T-A-D-E-L-L-A, at checkout at metropolitanzoom.com, you can get a $5 discount on the ticket. No, oh, well, that's very kind of you on behalf of all of our listeners. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I know we love to offer discounts to our listeners. Yes. And I'm sure Stephanie's going to have that on the show page. Of course I am. <laughs> They'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we have a guest on it, I say, sure, we'll definitely link that. I, I know Stephanie's writing a little note and make sure that it's on there. And so, Yeah. Can't be without the notes. Yeah. You'll be able to get it from our site and uh, or go into the link directly. And I do hope everybody goes out and participates because it's going to be great. So very, very happy to spend this evening with three amazing Italian-American women in my life. And uh, I'm going to go turn my attention back to the main two Italian-American women in my life, my lovely wife and my uh, <laughs> hopefully still sleeping daughter. I think she's still napping. Aww. So I may... Make it a little downtime with Nicole before uh, she wakes up and we have to entertain her. And as Lena knows, her new favorite song is Che La Luna. And when she cries, I have to sing that to her. So um, I'm learning I'm learning all the verses over again. So, you know, she marries the fishermen and the firemen. So it's a very long song. It it does the job. So I hope everybody goes out and participates. This has been great. Always a pleasure to speak to the two of you guys. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I hope everybody out there enjoyed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. There's no Pat to do his normal sign on. That felt weird. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano.